This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. No, I don't do expeditions to be happy. I do them because it's complicated and because I, it, it makes me really look hard at myself and I don't necessarily come back happy. I come back different. Welcome to Range, I'm Amy Westervelt. This month, we're featuring a mini-series sponsored by the North Face called She Moves Mountains. That was ski mountaineer Hillary Nelson you heard from in the intro. Some of you might know her as Hillary O'Neill. Hillary's name is often followed by the first woman to ski or climb X Mountain. She's an amazing athlete and an all-around inspiring person. This mini-series podcast was taped over the course of a week in June as the North Face presented its speaker series in D.C., Austin, and San Francisco. It includes a mix of outtakes from the events, behind-the-scenes interviews conducted along the way, and some footage from the annual North Face Athlete Summit. In each episode, we're profiling a different woman who's pushing boundaries in some way and inspiring other women. In addition to Hillary, we're profiling rock climber Emily Harrington, photographer Laurel Golio, Bethany Lebowitz, the founder of Brown Girls Climb, and Alyssa Ravazio, founder and CEO of Hip Camp. You can check them all out here, and you should. They're all really interesting. Now on to Hillary's story. So if you've ever listened to this show before, it might be clear that I'm not a hardcore athlete. <laughs> I like to be outside. I love to hike and swim. I mean, I live in Tahoe for crying out loud. It's kind of a prereq to love the outdoors. And I'm a longtime environmental journalist, so I care quite a bit about wild places. But I'm not a person who follows climbers on Instagram or is destined to take up ice camping anytime soon. So I had no idea before I met her that Hillary Nelson is a freaking legend. She's the first woman to summit and ski dozens of peaks. And at 45 years old, with 20 years in the expedition game, she's got most athletes beat on the longevity front too. She's also a mother of two boys and a really thoughtful, introspective person who knows herself well, but also pays close attention to those around her. In fact, all of that plays into why and how she does expeditions. But when she first started skiing, it was all about freedom and adventure. Uh, so I started skiing when I was really young. I was three years old. I had an older brother and sister. My parents didn't ski. They just um, decided they wanted their kids to ski. I grew up in Seattle. They would take us, probably when I was more in like second, third grade, take us. We'd get up at like 5.30 in the morning on Saturday and Sunday, and they'd drive us from our house in Seattle like 20 minutes to where this big Greyhound bus would pick us up. And then we would all shuttle up to Stevens Pass in Washington State, and uh, 
I, my first memories of skiing were just, honestly, the pink chairlift. It was called Daisy, <laughs> and it was so awesome, and it was a two-person chairlift, and it had the metal pole in the middle. I think it's actually still there, and um, uh, I just loved riding that chairlift, and I mean, I was like six, seven years old at that time. And I would go up there without my parents. And so really what stuck with me was the freedom I had of skiing and the choices and the independence I had going to do this. You know, and I had my brother and sister looking after me, but I could sneak away and I could hide out on my own and I could ride like the blacklist and go up Big Chief. And um, it was so... Uh, I just, I loved it. I mean, I distinctly remember, like, no hat and hair flying in the wind. And I had this, like, fluorescent pink coat. Apparently, I like pink. And I don't know, it was just this freedom. And um, I still get that sensation from doing that even today. Just, I can make any choice and I can go anywhere and I can go really fast. And I fell in love with it. As a teen, Hillary watched ski films and competed with her brother and his friends on the slopes. Yeah, I uh, was super into, like, the Blizzard of Oz, which totally dates me. Like, the ski movie from way back when, and Kristen Ulmer was in it, like, hucking backflips. And, I mean, I was, like, 17. Um, and that was what got me to move to Chamonix in France, and then that was where I kind of started alpine climbing and all that kind of stuff. So not having grown up in it, there were kind of those, like, funny new things of the time that influenced me and Lynn Hill as a climber and sort of breaking these barriers between male and female in a sport was pretty, he made a huge impression on me. Uh, and then just like adventurers like Ernest Shackleton and um, Sir Edmund Hillary, like, I don't know, there's just so many people out there doing adventurous things and thinking about the world in a different way. And those were some of my main influencers. Just for fun, here's a super 80s clip from a Kristen Ulmer flick. The ultimate run is powder so deep you need a snorkel, uh, cliff so high you need a parachute, and uh, so steep you need a winch. Not a winch. A winch. <laughs> not, a, not a winch, not a winch. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Hillary didn't combine climbing with skiing until she was around 19. When she did, she knew it was something she was made to do. I've skied my whole life, so I started skiing when I was about three years old, but it wasn't until I was 19, 20, 21 years old that I started going uphill in the mountains, you know, with skis on my feet, skinning, ski touring. And I was never like this uber athlete skier, like an Ingrid Backstrom or something, for example. But I, once I put these two sports together and the 
sort of the pace of, of going up the mountain as well as then putting skis on and going down, that was like, I don't know, it was just magic. It fit with my body type. It fit with my spirit, my mind. And I think that was when I first knew like, whoa, this is like somehow, I don't know how, but what I was meant to do, um, my body just worked. My mind worked in that environment. And I guess it probably started in Colorado 14ers would be where I first started ski touring and going uphill with downhill. Um, I really loved the mechanics of it. The rope work, crampons, ice axes, all that technical side of it, just like, I think it fit in with the science mathy side of my head. And um, yeah, that, that would probably be where like my happy places, <laughs> that combination of all that stuff. At the time, Hillary had no idea that she'd be able to make a career out of her happy place. But a few years later, she got on an expedition with the North Face and spent the next two decades traveling the world. I started doing kind of like extreme free skiing competitions. I lived in Chamonix in France for quite a few years. And at one point I remember hearing, oh, um, North Face is looking for a female athlete to go on an expedition. And I thought it was just this sort of one-off thing. And I went and interviewed with them and ended up going on my first expedition with the North Face. And during those first few years of that job, being a female was really beneficial and opened a lot of doors for me because there weren't other women doing what I was doing. So being in the high mountains and skiing these particular lines, I was the first female to, you know, do this, the first female to ski that, et cetera. And so that ended up sort of, you know, I, I'd always wanted to travel as a kid and I was like, well, if I'm going to travel, I might as well travel to climb mountains because it's fun and I like it. And then, you know, 20 years later, I'm, you know, still with North Face and climbing. And it just, it morphed into things I couldn't even imagine. Um, when people asked me what I did, I didn't know really how to answer. I'm a skier, sort of. But, you know, now I've been doing it a long time and it's opened so many doors. Like, I have lots of, like, opportunities to engage you through speaking engagements and working with other athletes and seeing the world and um it's just become an amazing job that i love and it's a job it's crazy hillary was the only woman on a lot of expeditions back then and then she got the opportunity to lead an all-women trip and it changed her life in some key ways i first went on an expedition my very first expedition and i'm totally dating myself in 1999 with the North Face. And I went to India and I had never left like first world country. And I remember getting there and I couldn't even leave the room. I was so terrified to go outside until everybody else showed up. And I was the only woman on this expedition apart from the, the organizer. So I was the only female athlete. There were two or three other male athletes and then every per, everybody on the camera crew, everything were, were men. But the producer was a woman, and she was in charge of the whole show. And it was so amazing to me to see that. I was very, I was very young, just regardless of my age, for a long time. And I, it was a hard, it was really hard for me to find my voice. I um, absorbed things really well, but I 
didn't have confidence. And seeing her in this position of power, if you will, just, just confidence and control and orchestrating this whole thing was amazing to me. And so shortly thereafter, I went on another expedition, only this time it was all women, and it was four of us. And um, one of them was, we went to Western Mongolia. Like, I like to go really remote places. So I planned this expedition. And one of the girls is like six feet tall and her, she cut her hair super short and bleached it white and like couldn't have stood out anymore. But we went, um, North Face actually supported this trip. We didn't have any pictures about where we were going. We were just like, we we're gonna go climb the five holy peaks in Mongolia. And they were like, what? And we're like, I don't know, we don't have any pictures. We just heard about these mountains and we're gonna go. <laughs> and we went, we showed up there and we were just gonna climb one peak and then there's five. So we thought, well, if we get one, we're gonna be super cool. And we got one, we got the second one, and then we got the third one. And there's a lot of talking going on because we talk so much as women, a lot. <laughs> and then we got the fourth peak and after the fourth peak, we like ran out of food. And we're like, okay, well, what are we gonna do? So we had this Mongolian man with us because we had to, he was from the military and they wouldn't let us go out there alone as women. And he went and shot some marmots for us. We ate some marmots and then we went and climbed the fifth peak. And we climbed, we were the first people to like climb all five holy peaks and we skied all of them. And it was amazing. I came back from that trip and just through all this, you know, ceaseless talking and conversation and feeling out every emotion and all our math and all of that. Like I, I came home and it's not perfect, but like I sort of found my platform and I found my voice. And it, it, took, it took interacting not just with women, but with men too, and having that support and that confidence and seeing myself reflected through, um, you know, what they saw in me. And then also these trips that I did with all women and just, I guess, you know, going back to what I would like to impart on other girls or other women is just be patient with yourself and knowing that lack of confidence I had growing up. I mean, growing up like into my 30s growing up. I mean, it's still like, it's just be patient with yourself. Be kind to yourself. It comes and you will find your voice. And um, if we have more role models out there from all genders, all ethnicity that are pushing boundaries and having adventures, and I think we'll be able to get to that place. Still, the job isn't all good times and happy places and marmots. In fact, Hillary probably wouldn't dig it if it was. What she seems to love most are the challenges. What we do, especially sometimes, it's incredibly extreme, and it throws everything out of balance. And so Sometimes it's really hard to sit. I need to like be pushing myself into this space that um, maybe isn't always healthy per se, but it's kind of where I can get to sort of this meditative place. And that's, you know, 50 hours of being awake after climbing an 8,000 meter peak and coughing up blood. And I think, God, this sounds like a great time to go climb another 8,000 meter peak. Like I, I have something, <laughs> something wrong. <laughs> but 
it is. It's really hard. And then I want when I come home, that's supposed to be when I'm like, you know, I'm whole and I'm, I'm come back happy from these trips. And I remember somebody the other day was like, but you do these expeditions. They make you so happy. And I'm like, and it, it dawned on me. I'm like, well, the, no, actually, I don't do it. And I'm actually serious. Like, no, I don't do expeditions to be happy. I do them because it's complicated and because I, it, it makes me really look hard at myself. And I don't necessarily come back happy. I come back different. And I come back having learned more about myself and about other people. And I think that's the space that I like to, to sit in. And um, I do have the fortune that it is my job and I can go out and I can push myself really hard. But I think we can all find that in our own way. You don't have to be coughing up blood at 8,000 meters. You can do that in your own way. I think it's all just um, perspective. A big part of getting to know herself better and coming back different is also the group dynamic on expeditions, the relationships built and strengthened or strained during weeks or months in the wilderness, sometimes in life-threatening conditions. A huge part of what I love about expeditions, and for me an expedition is like something, you know, you're spending multiple nights, few weeks, anywhere to like a couple months out in the wilderness, out in the wild. and. A huge part of what I love about that is the human dynamic and sometimes it completely implodes and you don't put the right team together and you learn from that as much as I learn from the team that works well together and I have been on trips where I come home and I'm like wow I really sucked I was not a nice person or a good person or I you know you just get to the when you when you push yourself to these limits, all of a sudden you see not only like good sides of yourself, but you also see bad sides of yourself. And I like knowing that about myself and 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 seeing that in other people and how you deal with adversity and how you deal with success. So um, there's a lot of human dynamic in what I do for sport and it obviously I, I don't I, I have this saying where I'm like, it's never the mountain that doesn't let you climb it it's it's the human dynamic like if you can work together as a team you have success not necessarily standing on the top of a mountain but you have success you figure it out a few years ago the human dynamic led to an expedition failure that Hillary took pretty hard I think our biggest dangers will come before we get to the mountain hiking and these are the longest days at 16 miles each this adventure this like hair pulling out I thrive on that you're talking about a hundred miles of trail and it's like straight down through bamboo spears to the river he stabbed his foot We've gotten all of our stuff 80 miles into the jungle and now we have to cut half of it or we pretty much will never go anywhere because we don't have enough porters. We are on the edge of failure right now and we need to figure out are we going to fail and, and go back or are we going to keep moving forward and if we're going to keep moving forward exactly how. I mean I, I would take it if we if we get seven days at base camp to climb I'd still take that to me that still I think gives us a chance I don't know. 
That's a clip from a documentary National Geographic made about the expedition, which Hillary led in Myanmar. It nearly broke her. We were on this expedition together in 2014 to go to Myanmar, also known as Burma. Um, There's a film about it. I was the expedition leader. We got a National Geographic um, grant to go to this incredibly, incredibly remote area. We totally weren't going to talk about this, but how can you not? For me, for me, um, being a female expedition leader, putting the team together, it was almost a two-month trip. It was incredibly remote. We walked. Um, we went overland by plane, train, bus, boat, and then we walked about 150 miles through the jungle to get to base camp. And then we tried to climb this peak. We ran out of food. We... Uh, had to leave a bunch of our equipment and clothes behind so that we could um, get porters to get us there. And essentially, we had this incredible human dynamic that transpired on this expedition as well, where I came away having failed, feeling like a huge failure. And I can't say it was resolved on the trip. And the trip completely imploded. The one thing I am proud of is that we all made it home with fingers and toes, and nobody died, and we didn't kill each other. Um, but, uh, I came home from that and went into like a major depression for six months. Probably I almost quit my entire climbing career. Uh, you, if you've seen the film, which maybe you haven't, I'm sure you haven't, it's pretty obscure, but, um, it's, uh, you know, you could say it was a gender thing. You could, you know, it doesn't matter. It was just, I put it all on myself and on my own shoulders and, you know, I came home to a, a four- and five-year-old children, and um, it was a really desperate time. And essentially, I've come out of that with sort of this philosophy about doubt and fear and failure and success and how you can't have these lows without having these highs, and you can't, you can't, there's nothing to overcome if you don't ever put yourself out of your comfort level and have doubt and have fear. And if you don't ever fail, then how do you know what it feels like to be successful? So I would say that was, you know, I mean, I've re-examined it a million times and you can look at it. I mean, and her perspective is totally different on it as to how much I failed, how much I didn't fail. But you know, the reality is it took me a really long time. It wasn't easy. I I couldn't even leave my house. and, and that was really difficult. And I'm, you know, I, I got back into it in large part because Emily kind of drug me out of the house on another expedition in Nepal, got me back alive. But I mean, that stuff is hard. Life is hard. And if it's not hard, then you're not living, I don't think. And, and you've got to take those lows and take those highs and just understand that, you know, it may be like this sometimes, but overall, you're going to find balance. Her most recent expedition was a success, although it was one that she had failed at before some 20 years ago. Just recently, I did an expedition that actually like was successful. Oh my God. (laughs) But I failed at it several times before it was actually successful. So I first, my very first expedition in 1999 was to India, and I saw this amazing peak there called Papsura, 
also known as the peak of evil, like who wouldn't want to go climb that? Um, and I went subsequent years and kept seeing this peak. And then finally in 2013, I led a group through with North Face to go and try and climb and ski this mountain. And we totally failed. We didn't get anywhere. Um, and then, but it was awesome because it turned into sort of a reconnaissance. And then we went back last year with a smaller group and climbed, made the first American ascent and were the first to ever ski the peak. And it's totally this obscure peak in the middle of nowhere that nobody's ever heard of. But um, it was just this like 20 year dream of mine. And I am proud of it, not so much for climbing it, but just that I stuck with it and, um, despite like, you know, people telling me that you couldn't do it, you couldn't ski it, you're gonna um, never get to the top, it's too remote, it's too this, it's too that. Um, I just stuck with it and figured it out. And that, for me, that's where creativity comes into it, is like looking at this problem and figuring out how to solve it. And it took me like 20 years. And um, I'm yeah, that's my success. I was pretty psyched on that. <laughs> that right there is why Hillary has become for so many other women what Kristen Ulmer was to her back in the day, a role model. I'm excited to be moving into a space where there are female role models. If I go back, I know I kind of grew up always knowing I had a little, I was a little quirky. I was a little bit different. Like I really was competitive with myself. I really wanted to challenge myself in different ways that none of my girlfriends wanted to challenge themselves. And so I often found myself, you know, hanging out with my older brother and his friends and doing sports with them and skiing. I was always the only girl in all the ski groups that I was um, engaged in. And I learned so much from that. But now to think that we're moving into a, a space where there are you know, an overwhelming number of females coming into these niche areas of occupation, whether it's photography or, or rock climbing or mountaineering, to know that, like, that, that space is open. Because in my experience, women are often most competitive with other women because there hasn't been space for more than that token female in any of these endeavors or these professions. And so to have the the numbers behind us where we no longer have that fear and perhaps we can be a little easier on our own gender moving forward, like that I think is huge to me. It kind of gives me the chills a little bit. It's like no longer um, are we scrapping against each other to be that one female. And I think that's going to change rapidly as as we move forward in the next decade even as as our kids grow up and there's more space and we can be role models to each other and we can be helpful to each other. Despite everything she's accomplished, Hillary is still learning new things. She recently started a new physical activity, in fact, that she found surprisingly difficult. So a few years ago, I was on an expedition climbing with Emily, actually, and I was pretty out of touch um, with the rest of the world, but I came home and my friends, I live in Telluride, Colorado, and my, my, a, a few of my girlfriends, 10 of them, had decided to sign me up for a, a half Ironman. And it was like a few months away. And I, I, I grew up in Seattle. I'd spent my whole life in the water, but I'd never actually swam anywhere. And so I had to learn how to swim. And it was, um, 
uh, humbling. It was very humbling. <laughs> I remember being in the, in the pool, in the lap pool, and I was trying to swim, and my feet were dragging on the bottom of the pool, and I literally made it halfway across the pool, and I was throwing temper tantrums, like splashing the water, and I was so mad, and I was frustrated, and I couldn't figure out how to swim. <laughs> And, and then, you know, I progressed a little bit from there and eventually I went with another good friend of mine and, you know, she was, um, and, and just to back this up, like a lot of these girls that I do things with at home, sometimes they're intimidated by me because I am an athlete by profession. So I can go out and I train all the time and I'm always doing stuff and I'm pushing my limits. And so this friend of mine, she was like, well, let's go swimming. We have to learn how to open water swim. And I put this wetsuit on and I swam and I got like 50 feet from shore and had a full on panic attack. I had to roll over. She's like rolling me over on the back. She's rubbing my chest. She's like, oh my God, what, are you okay? Like, <laughs> so um, yeah, that was really hard. <laughs> it was really hard to learn how to swim. It actually ended up being this amazing way to connect and have myself be seen differently with my friends and connect with a whole group in a way where I got to be in this position to, to learn from other people and to, to rely on other people and to ask for help. It's hard to ask for help a lot of times. And um, so it was a really great experience to go through that and try something new because it is terrifying. I mean, if every one of you here like thought about the last time you tried something new, it's really easy to stick with what you're good at and what you know, and then to venture out into that unknown is a lot more challenging. Because she's managed to have kids and stay in the game, Hillary has also become a role model for other women athletes, but she still struggles with plenty of questions around her identity as a mother. So this, is a, this is one that I'm only just sort of um, trying to figure out is why I was so driven right after I had my kids to continue on my path as an athlete and an expedition athlete at, at that. And I grew up with an awesome mom. She was amazing and she put her whole life, she put, you know, it was a different generation. So she didn't have the same opportunities I have had. And she put her whole life on hold, her dreams, everything, and raised her kids. and. She had a lot of regrets, not with how she was as a mother and how she raised us, but just in her own personal identity. She had a lot of regrets. And as the youngest kid, I heard so much of that in these years between like 14 and 18. And um, after I left home, she went through, you know, quite a few years of just hard times figuring out who she was. And it really made an impression on me. So much so that when my first kid was 10 months old, like I left and went to Pakistan for eight weeks and went on a you know, really aggressive trip. And not just as a team member, I was the team leader. So I put the whole trip together. It was my idea. Like I made it happen, which is sort of even more crazy when I look back at it. Like if I hadn't pushed so hard, like that trip never would have happened. But um, I just was so, so adamant about keeping my identity because I thought in the long run, if I didn't have that, that well inside of me filled, then I wouldn't be able to give that to my kids. And I just 
think that having a passion, being passionate about something in this life is like really, really important. And I wanted to show that to my kids. So I like, might have been a little aggressive, but uh, I worked really hard. And it, it was really hard. I don't know if I could do it again, to be honest. But um, I think they see it, you know. Now they've been to Nepal with me. They've been to Africa with me. I take them backpacking. You know, I go to their schools and present about a lot of expeditions I've been on. And uh, they see it, you know. They, they, I talk about trips with them and... Um, like, you know, as best as you can as a parent, I think, I think it's been worth it, but I don't know. <laughs> In Austin, an audience member asked her if she'd ever been accused of being selfish for pursuing the career that she has. And Hillary's response is pretty amazing. I've been told a lot of times that I'm being selfish, but I have also been told more times that it's an amazing, that what I do is inspiring um, as a mom and how I choose to raise my kids. So I, I kind of choose to listen to what feeds my soul. And of course, the mom guilt that I have experienced and gone through, like, I don't know that I could do what I did with my kids. I don't know if I had another kid that I could do that again. It's not easy. My kids are nine and 10 now. And, um, and I've said this before, when I was pregnant with my first kid, I was really terrified. I grew up in a very traditional household. My mom stayed home. She didn't work. My dad went to work. And a really good friend of mine said, hey, you know, don't freak out. You have this passion. However you choose to raise your kids is going to be normal to your kids. And I know from growing up, I never saw my mom. I never saw her as a person. I never understood who she was. Like, she... She, I loved her and she was an amazing mom, but I want my kids to see me and to see me as a person and someone that has passion and someone that, that makes choices and, but knows I love them to the bottom of my soul, but yet I still am an independent person and someone they can look up to and understand. And, you know, I, I suppose that's still TBD to be determined, but... <laughs> It, yeah, I have been told I've been selfish, and it is a really, it's a really hard road, and I, I think it makes my decision-making in the mountains better. I pay more attention to that gut feeling, um, and, you know, I don't go into the mountains to not come home. Like, I, I don't want to die in the mountains. I want to come home. I want to live a long life and be 80 in the rocking chair or 90. Maybe we'll be 100, but who knows. But, yeah, so it's a convoluted, it's a difficult answer. Hillary's kids have even been involved in her career in some unexpected ways. I mean, I've been an athlete my whole life, so more of the training that I need to do when I go take go on these endeavors is sort of the, the mental training. And I've used this example before, but before I went to Everest, I had uh, my kids were two and three years, two and four years old, and I would train with them by going skiing with them and I'd have one, the older one on a harness that I'd be holding with one hand and I couldn't get the younger one up on the mountain unless he had his skis on. So I'd take him skiing and I'd have him on my hip while I was holding the other one. And then he, the younger one would like take his hand and stick it in front of my eyes so I couldn't see where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> 
And that, I mean, hands down, that was the best training I've ever had. <laughs> and it's like this combo of like your body just being completely torqued and you can't see and you're mentally just trying to stay calm. And that is truly like, I, I'm joking about it, but it really is. It's like situations like that where I'm mentally strong because I, I think we all... Sometimes, again, I go back to passion. When you're passionate about something, you push yourself so hard into that thing that you have to have something more than just physical resilience to rely on. You, And that's where I like to get myself to, is that spot where it's not your physical body that's propelling you. It's it's your mental body, your mental your mind that's actually in this place of of willpower, of willing you forward. And um, that's sort of the sweet spot, I guess, is having that physical training and, and doing that just through this 10,000 hour thing is really, you just have to do something over and over and over again. And my body has the muscle memory for that at this point. So it's the mental side that is really what's powerful for me. She says the idea of being a role model freaks her out a little bit, but it also gives her a sense of responsibility and a platform that she can use to bring attention to the things that she cares about, including the outdoors. The outdoors are such a crucial part of my life and who I am. And as a child, I spent a lot of time on a boat up in the Pacific Northwest in the Puget Sound. And my older brother and sister and I were really left to run wild on the beaches and we kind of lived off the ocean with digging clams and crab and I was super dirty and you know like running my own little like I called it the the putt-putt boat with the little like 5cc motor and ran that by myself when I was like five six years old and it just taught me like wilderness and independence and kind of how to deal with quiet um, which we don't have so much of that in our lives now. And it's hard to get. You really have to seek it out. And I think the outdoors, I mean, it's hard for me to have perspective of any other way because that's what I know. But you find that in the outdoors. And I think it's so crucial for my children, for children in general, to experience that, to have that sort of safe haven that place where they can fall down and like scrape their knee up and scrape their elbow up and you know figure out how to deal with that on their own and then again in terms of just wild places in general if you don't I mean we're a tactile species if you don't get outside and you don't feel a place touch a place smell a place hear what lives in that place and you're not going to care about it and obviously to me those wild places are um, just crucial for sanity and well-being for us as a as a species as a whole and so um, you have to care about those places and you can't do that unless you go outside I think any profile of Hillary would feel a little incomplete without a story from her epic Everest expedition so we'll end on this one what I found about myself is I really like to go on these expeditions and it's not until I have pushed so hard that I can't, I don't have a choice. I can't rely on that physical side anymore and I have to dive into the mental side of it. And I think that just comes from a really strong desire to, to know myself better and 
through being in this mental space when it comes to climbing, skiing, hanging on the side of a mountain, I can know myself better. I can know how I can handle adversity. I can, I can test my boundaries and push my limits. And I know I take it to definitely an extreme level, but I think it's something that is relatable to what everyone here in this room strives for or wants to know. We want to know more about ourselves. We want to know more about what we can handle. And I have been driven in my life by a passion. And again, that's kind of the same thing. Sometimes I'm like, well, I wish this passion wasn't so intense and I could just mellow out a little bit. But I am driven by it and I'm so grateful for it. But it is, it's all mental. And um, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, I, I, I remember just an example. I, a few years ago with Emily, I climbed Everest. And when I came down from Everest, and it, you know, it had been a long progression getting up to the top, whatever. And I came down, and with my another partner, we decided to go up the second 8,000-meter peak back to back. And I was coughing up blood. I had a three- and four-year-old at home. And I decided in that moment to keep going and to push myself harder and further because I knew there was something more in me. And I was so far past anything physical that I, I had actually even sprained my ankle a few days before and blown all the ligaments in my left ankle. And so I had my ankle completely taped up. I'd gone up Everest. I came down. Um, I hadn't eaten or slept. And I decided with this other partner to go and do this other peak. And it added another 20 hours or so to a climb where, so I went, you know, 50 hours without sleeping, um, not eating really, not really doing much of anything above 8,000 meters. And I just, I don't know. It just, sometimes I don't know what drives me into that space, but God, I really love it. Like it's just, just crazy intensity where you come back and, and this goes back to the human dynamic. Then imagine yeah. coming home and being mom again after that. Like that's a really hard transition. And it's, um, something that I think we all deal with in intense, with intensity. It's hard to, you know, do the, the back slide of that, of going to check your mailbox and paying your, you, you know, your electric bill and putting gas in your car. But um, there's just something for me that I, I really hope you can take away from this is that like we all, whatever, whether it's doing something totally stupid on two 8,000 meter peaks or it's just like day-to-day -day life, it's just push yourself, get into that mental state, open your box of, your, of what you think you can do, open it, push it. Like there's, we have so much potential. And that's Hillary Nelson, ski mountaineer with the North Face. That's it for this episode of She Moves Mountains, a limited series podcast about women who do amazing things and inspire all of us to new heights. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. She Moves Mountains is a Verb Cabin production in association with Critical Frequency. This miniseries podcast was produced by me, Amy Westervelt, and executive produced by Mike Rogie, Katie Clifford, Landon Bassett, Kevin Hogan, and Jake Moe. Art direction is by Blake Kimmel. The North Face Speaker Series tour manager is Chris Sylvia. 
North Face Speaker Series event coordinator is Brandon Freeze with Outlier Productions. For more information on this production or on any other episodes of Range, please contact me at howdy at rangepodcast.org. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.